Thank you for joining the show. The Detroit Buy, Hold, Invest podcast, episode number one. Doing it big, doing it big from Detroit. Episode Anybody one. who's ever thought about buying in Detroit, selling in Detroit, holding in Detroit, property management in Detroit, legal stuff in Detroit, the city, the county, anything that you want to know, that's what this uh, podcast is for. Broadcasting live from Shinebox Studios, nestled firmly with a firm grip in Detroit, Michigan. I'm your host, David Rabior, with Detroit Buy, Hold, Invest. This beat play out a little bit. That's nasty. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it. So, my name's Dave Rabior. I own a company called Detroit Buy, Hold, Invest, where we service investors uh, full service with all the things that you need in order for you to hold property in the city of Detroit or Metro Detroit proper and do it right. We have all of the tools that you need uh, to get started. But, you know, before I get into all that, because there's going to be a lot of podcast episodes that we're going to do in regard to um, Detroit and just rental properties in general. And a lot of people who come here are very seasoned. And a lot of people that come here are not so seasoned, but they're really interested in investing in Detroit and doing what needs to be done to uh, facilitate a sale where they take a property, whether they buy it. Uh, to fix it up and and flip it or buy it to fix it up and put tenants in there and hold it long term. Or some people want to burn them out where they they buy the property, um, they fix the property up, they put a tenant in there, they wait a little bit, and then they refinance it. And, you know, Detroit is one market where it's definitely possible for you to buy a house, uh, you know, and and fix it and put a tenant and refinance it. And at 75% uh, of what your new appraisal amount would be, you'd be able to pull all of your cash out uh, of the property. And in a lot of cases, you can be into the property for no money out of your pocket after you complete that. But before we do that, we're going to get into um, a lot of things. So a lot of people don't know who I am, and a lot of people do know who I am. David Rabior, I work for a company called Clyde Realty uh, in Detroit, Michigan. Um, we service the communities basically from the Ohio border all the way up into the Thumb of Michigan. And the majority of what we focus in on, myself and, and my partners, Ben Ness and Alex Lauer, uh, we focus the majority of our time and efforts on helping people uh, as investors. So me, myself, personally, I work with a few different types of investors. I work with flippers. I work with buy and hold uh, investors looking to you know purchase and, and hold property, and I work with investors that are looking to buy, hold, and refinance and hold property with a note uh, with a tenant in there. And to do that and to maximize your return, a lot of investors are focusing on Section Eight. Uh, they like Section Eight tenants here in Detroit. We're one of the only markets left in the country, and there's only a handful of them where you can actually purchase a property and put a tenant in there. And it will exceed your mortgage insurance. Your, I'm sorry. It will exceed your mortgage uh, with taxes, insurance, property management, maintenance allowance, capex. I mean, you can include whatever you want. You know, the average uh, deal in Detroit that's going to be attractive to an investor that's healthy is going to be a seventy-five thousand dollars single-family home that's going to rent on Section Eight for approximately thirteen hundred dollars a month. 
So if you do the math on that, uh, it doesn't take a genius investor or someone who's like really seasoned to know that, you know, the payment on a $75,000 house with 20% down uh, is going to be significantly low in relation to how much money you're going to receive in rent with Section 8 at $1,300 or even more. Um, recently, we've we've rented uh, four-bedroom houses as high as $1,600, and uh, it's been no problem. So there are pitfalls and challenges that go along with being a landlord in Detroit or being an investor in general, but anywhere where you buy property in a city that's going to be a D class or a C minus class property is going to come with its challenges and and with high risk comes high reward. Now, on the other side of it, we have uh, communities that border Detroit, such as Warren, uh, Roseville, St. Clair Shores, Hazel Park, uh, East Point, you know, things like that, which would be like your suburban investment. And those investments are going to be a little bit higher in price. They're going to have maybe a little bit higher of a rent or even the same, but you're going to hold those properties with a lot less risk uh, in those communities because they have, you know, they're suburbs. They have better city services like police, fire, uh, garbage pickup, city services, you name it, uh, and school systems. So as an investor, you have to always be conscious of like where you're buying and why you're buying and what you're looking to achieve. And based on that, you can kind of be directed by someone who really knows a market um, on where you should go and how you should buy and, and what's the best way for you to spend your money and et cetera. So uh, before we get into like all of these topics, because we're going to have podcasts every single week, I just wanted to get into, you know, like why do people uh, choose to invest you know, in general, why do people choose to invest in Detroit? Why do people choose to, you know, buy and hold? And like, what are the advantages to that? Well, you have to think, um, you know, what kind of a person are you? Like, what kind of a person do you, you know, aspire to be in life? Do you, do you want to wake up every day, go to a job, punch a clock and let somebody basically exchange money for your time and, and limit you as to what opportunities that you have limit you to how much money that you're worth, you know, for just in general, for, for you as a, as a person, someone is telling you, Hey, you know, you come here and do this job and we're going to give you this amount of money and you either are good with that or you're not right. And, and maybe you put in your time with the company and, and you go, uh, you know, down the road and, and, and after years you get a raise here and there and you, and you, maybe you get into a better position and maybe you get bonuses here and there. But at the end of the day, you're, Potential is always limited by your employer because they're determining how much money you're worth and what your time is worth. And a lot of people are not willing to, um, you know, succumb to that. And then there's some people where that's what they need in their life. And, and I always say to people that, you know, every big company or even every small company, they, they need the $10 an hour, which is now, you know, the $15 an hour guy. Like, or woman or whoever you are, right? They need that because the people who are running the company are no longer interested in doing the work that the $10, $15 an hour employee does, right? They're sitting high on the hill. They're looking down at the battle and it seems so easy to make the pieces move and, and to demand what people do and where they go and, and things like that. So, you know, every company needs that person. And if you don't aspire to be someone who basically is told what you're worth and, and, and what your future is going to be, and, and really those people are determining what your future is going to be if you allow it, right? They're, they're, um, they're giving you a certain amount of money. And, and, and with that money, you have to budget for your life and, and figure out, you know, how am I going to survive? How am I going to live? How am I going to just get by 
you know, and where am I going to go with this money that I'm getting from this employer that, you know, may or may not even appreciate you. And let's face it. I mean, most of these employers nowadays, they don't appreciate you at all. Um, you come in, you do work and, and, and they nod their head and smile and, and they're happy that you showed up because they have a job to do at the end of the day. But you know, how many companies have you been at where you really, really slayed the dragon regularly? And no matter what you did, it, it was like when it came time for a promotion or it came time for more money or it came time, you know, for them to acknowledge that you, you know, basically were better than the average employee. Like when you had your hopes up and you really thought in the bottom of your heart that like they really identified you as someone and, and you just didn't get it from them, you know, because they really can't do that a lot of times. They can't make you feel special. They can't make you feel like you stand out or that you're really good because, as an employee, everything that you do, you know, when somebody tells you you're doing a great job, that translates in your mind to like, okay, well, I need to make more money. You know, I need to get paid more. I need more per hour. I need more of my salary or I, I need a better bonus structure or whatever. You know, it always equals that. And, and, and especially dangerous with, with people who are clock punchers, you know, and they come in every day and they, and they punch that clock and they accumulate, they accumulate all of the, the hours throughout the week. And, and you know, those people a lot of times it's very dangerous, you know, to say that you do that job because that's exactly where a lot of employers want you to be and they'll never let you advance if you're really good at that job. And I seen that example when I I was in a in the business before real estate. I was in the, in the auto parts business. And uh we sold uh commercial auto parts to to shops and businesses and dealerships and and whatever. And you know, we were a distributor, a big a big distributor. Of, of those items. And we sent out, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of that stuff every single day. And, you know, no matter what the employees did, you know, no matter how good you were, like you really were not going to get it a promotion to upper level management over somebody outside of the company. And the reason for that was, and I realized it as I came in as a high level manager, uh, because I was really killing the game with sales, like I realized I had store managers and I had managers for the commercial sales that were more than adequate for a district manager position or to move into a territory management position. And every time that a job like that came up, the big bosses would choose someone from outside of the company because those people were so good at their job, they didn't want to replace them. It was easier for them to pull in a manager from another company um, and with no knowledge, in a lot of cases, they would have no knowledge of even auto parts. You know, they're just a salesman from some other company or sometimes they hit, they get lucky and they'd find somebody who was in that business. But anyway, those people would come in off the street and they wouldn't promote the store manager. They wouldn't promote that commercial person because they didn't want to have to replace them, you know, and the company at the same time preached all about growth and opportunity and how you know, you would advance if you worked really hard and, and you and you had a good attitude and you were down with their their culture, they would put you in a better position. And almost on every level, that hardly ever happened with the exception of a few people who I had known that did advance. So you have to be very careful about how you spend your time, where you spend your time, and, and, and like the effort that you give based on the opportunity that's in front of you. Because sometimes being really good at something when you work for somebody else limits you, uh, extremely limits you to like your potential growth and opportunity with that company. And which usually leads to, you know, an employee becoming like really upset and, you know, becoming agitated and then starting to look elsewhere 
uh, for another company. And what you'll find is when you go to another company, that company will pay you more money for what you already do because they have a need for it, but your company will make you believe that you have no value. And this is just the progression of life when you're just a clock puncher, like a lower level employee. So that leads me to, you know, going back to what I was saying, like, what kind of life do you want to live? What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of life do you want to provide your family? You know, do you want to be able to go and do the things that you want to do and enjoy your life so that you don't become 60 years old or 65 years old? Or maybe you make it to the age of retirement, which like right now to max out is like 68 or something like that. And by the time I'm 44 years old, by the time I get to be that age, you know, hopefully I make it that far. You know, um, I'm sure I will, but you never know. Um, When you get to that 68 years old and they give you that $1,400 a month or whatever, like you can't survive on that, can you? Like, what else do you have beside that? Do you have money saved up? Uh, do you think your 401k plan that your employer is offering you is really going to take you to the finish line, you know, and, and support you throughout your retirement years? Because I can tell you from experience dealing with people all the time that toted that company line, it's not going to be enough, you know, and, and I have you know, a mom and a dad, you know, my dad passed away. I have a stepdad. I have like family and whatever. And all of them, you know, they work really, really hard and they get to the point of being retired and, you know, maybe they accumulate some, you know, wealth. They got cars, they got things, they have houses and, and some of them were able to pay their house off. And some of them were able to put aside a little bit of money. But like when you're, when you're 65 or you're 68 years old and potentially with the way the health industry works, that people are going to keep you alive until you're 80, you know, 90 years old with all this medicine. Like you get down to the age where you retire, you get just enough and maybe your spouse is alive and you have almost $3,000 a month, um, you know, to put towards your living expenses, but then account for like the amount of money it costs for prescriptions and for medical procedures and things like that. And, and very quickly you'll find out that like you wasted your whole life getting to be, the age of retirement and you can't even afford to do anything or your body's been beaten up so bad from, you know, being the company man for all that time that you really don't have the physical condition to enjoy life either, you know? And, um, we put a lot of wear and tear on ourselves that we don't necessarily consider when we go through life and we work for other people and, and, um, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to make ends meet. So we're working the overtime. We're working hard. We're, we're putting the time and we're not calling in. We're, we're trying to like budget. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. Or you're an irresponsible person that doesn't do any of those things. Right. And and then you get to the age of retirement, realize you got nothing. And, uh, I saw my dad go through that, you know, got to the age where he had a heart attack and he couldn't even get social security yet. So it took a year to get him on disability and he only got like $1,400 a month and that wouldn't even cover half of a month worth of expenses and, you know, add to that bad habits and whatnot. I mean, like you're completely on your face at that point and like no one really wants to do that with their life, but nobody really puts a lot of thought into it until it's too late. So that's the purpose for this real, you know, this show. Um, I came from a background where there was no silver spoon and, you know, I did the, the $10 an hour guy job and I moved up into, you know, a sales, you know, my first sales job and I killed it. And then I moved up into a management position and I just kept exceeding and exceeding and exceeding. But what I found out was, you know, I was only going to make what I was going to make, you know, and I'd get in my last job I had in sales was like the most lucrative job I ever had. And, and I got to the point where, 
like I achieved all the things I was required to, to bonus at the max amount that I could receive, but it was only halfway through the year. So now I'm not getting any more bonuses and I'm getting paychecks and that's it. And the company's still like expecting me to go out and kill the game and like slay the dragon every day. And it was like, I can't do that. So that was when, you know, since 2009, um, you know, I've been interested in real estate and I did some things in real estate and, and, you know, by 2013, I was really, you know, come to the conclusion in my mind, like I, I can't have somebody limit me to how much money I make. So I found out about real estate and what I found out was, you know, as a real estate person, if you're an agent or, or you sell it or you're an investor, nobody can really limit you except for yourself to how much money you can make. You know, if you sell like as an agent myself, if I sold 5,000 houses a year, like no one's going to come and say, whoa, 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 you've exceeded the amount of money you're allowed to make. No, I get to make as much as I can. But if I don't work hard and I don't put it together, you know, I don't make any money. So, you know, I was willing to roll the dice on that and say, hey, if I'm able to make millions of dollars uh, in sales for companies that I don't own, like, why could I not make millions of dollars in sales for my own company? So, you know, that's what I decided. So myself personally, I've been in, involved in real estate, like I said, since 2009. And, you know, I started out buying, uh, you know, beat up houses that I made into rental properties, which turned into me flipping properties, which got me into a position uh, with a, a guys that were an acquisition group that were in the city and in the, you know, the state of Michigan looking to buy properties to fix them to rent them long term. It was like a, a real estate investment type of group. And I ended up becoming an acquisition guy for them. And that was when I knew I could do this. That was when I knew I, I found something that I was going to be good at. And I knew that I could really have potential doing this stuff without limiting myself and no one could limit me. And then um, you know, when I became a flipper, I realized that, you know, paying a real estate person to like represent myself when I was doing all the work wasn't really in the best interest of myself. So I decided to become an agent um, back in 2017 uh, full time. And in my first year as a real estate agent, I sold like 70 properties or 68 properties or something like that. And, uh, you know, everybody who I worked with at the time told me, like, why would you waste your time on Detroit? And, you know, why are you wasting your time on these turnkey investments? Why don't you go after commercial real estate or why don't you go after, um, you know, houses that are three, four, five hundred thousand dollars? Because then you get these big checks and, you know, you don't have to work as much and whatever. But me, I am a guy who likes to be involved in stuff and I want to do things in volume and I want to help a lot of people. So I knew that I knew the business of real estate really well. And I knew that if I was able to meet people who are looking to buy it, that I had all the tools necessary for them um, to provide them with the value that I felt like I wasn't getting when I was uh, just an investor by myself. Um, all the agents I knew, like they didn't really know what I was doing. They didn't really understand what I was trying to do. And they didn't know how to break the investments down. They didn't have any resources. All they wanted me to do was buy something for them or they wanted me to give them an easy listing so they could make money. And here I am preparing flips that are ready to hit the market that, that are literally going to contract in a couple of days, you know, maybe a week. And, and I have an agent calling me up going, hey, we did it. It's like, what did we do? We didn't do anything together. I did everything. You just put on the MLS. So I decided at that point that I was going to do it myself. So when I became an agent in 2017, 
I decided I was going to try to service investors and I already had a lot of contacts from what I was doing. So I went after those people and said, Hey, I'm an agent now and I really want to help you. And they were on board and, and, you know, it worked out. And then in my second year, um, in 2018, that was when I got a couple of big investment groups and I ended up hitting over a hundred deals that year. And from that point on, it's gone up and up. And now here we are in 2024 in the beginning at the end of 2023, I, I sold like over 240 properties, both on and off market. I was involved in commercial real estate transactions, residential, single family, multifamily transactions, uh, commercial strip mall deals, like all kinds of stuff. And you never know where you're going to go with this business when you get into it. But this is what I ended up falling into. So that leads me to like this podcast, like what is it for? And this is an intro episode. And then I'll go into like more uh, more detailed stuff and, and we'll go step by step by step. And you can also visit my website, which is um, www.detroitbuyholdinvest.com. I have a series of blogs there <clears throat> that you can read. That's going to basically walk you through from step one, how to buy rental properties, like literally step by step by step. Um, you can re research me online. You'll see all of the reviews I have like 50 something reviews on Zillow that are five star. I have 30 something reviews on Google that are five star. And I never really focused any of my attention on getting those. I just worked with investors and they, from time to time, one would feel really good about what we did. And then they'd go out there and they'd want to share that. And, and, you know, over the last few years, I, I was fortunate to, you know, to get, I have, if you go in total in the whole, you know, internet as a whole and all these different sites, there's probably 150 of them out there from various different investors that, you know, are saying, Hey, you know, you, you gave me great results and I appreciate it. So Detroit buy, hold invest was designed basically to put investors in front of deals and then help you vet the deal to make sure that the deal is actually what you're being promised and go out and physically look at it to make sure that, you know, the property is in good enough shape to waste money on an inspector to go actually you know, spend the five, $600 on an inspector to go out there and like give you a real report and get on the roof and get in the basement and crawl in crawl spaces and take off panel covers and inspect your furnaces and water tanks and send a camera down the sewer line, all that stuff. Right. So we put people in a position where they can identify a property, vet the property, inspect the property, look at all the, the current lease documents, section eight HAP contracts, the seller's disclosures, you know, the rent roll, like all of those things. We get all that for you. We make sure a deal is a deal. And if the deal closes, by the time we get you to the table, we've put you in front of like every piece of information that we possibly could. And I've personally went to the house and looked at it. Plus you've had an inspector. And then when you buy it, you know exactly what you're buying and, and you're never going to get walked down uh, the road where someone's like, trust me, trust me. And then you make a decision and they run on you and you end up all by yourself and, and nobody to help. And I get an equal amount of those calls every year as I do people saying, Hey, I want to work with you. I get people calling me saying, Hey, it's all bad. I got with the wrong people. I got screwed really bad. And now I need someone to help me. Can you help me? I get an equal amount of those calls because Detroit, like every city is a wolf type place, you know, like this, this, the sheep get slaughtered and, and the wolves always survive. And if you get with the wrong people, especially certain wholesalers or certain, certain agents, um, you know, or certain, just certain people, the wrong people, right? Quote unquote, it could be anybody. It could be someone posing to be a property manager for you. It could be someone telling you that they're, they're a real agent. They're not, it could be a wholesaler claiming that, you know, they have your best interest in mind, but they don't, you know, and, and, 
not in all cases, but when they don't, they don't. And it becomes obvious they don't. When things go wrong, they run. And then you're screwed because you're not here most of the time. And the majority of our uh, investors that we work with are out of the country, out of the state. And they depend on us to be their boots on the ground. And that's what we do. So we try to make sure that we get you to the closing. So by the time that you buy the property, you know exactly what you're getting. And then after that, we have... Um, you know, contractors, handymen, property management companies, real estate attorneys. We have, you know, CPAs we can refer you to. I have conventional lenders and, D, you know, DSCR lenders. And I have, you know, fix and flip people and just everything that you need. I, I have that because I want people to come to Detroit by Hold Invest. And I want them to just be inside of our funnel so I can protect that business with you and myself and make sure that you're using people that, I know are going to do what's best, you know, and they're not going to be dishonest to you and they're going to try their best to, you know, always do a good quality of work and, and earn the money that you pay them. Because at the end of the day, all these people cost you money, you know, property managers cost you money and, and, and contractors and handymen, everything they do, no one's going to do anything for you for free. Right. I mean, it's a business and everybody's in business for profit. And anyone that says that they're not in business for profit is just lying to you. You know, even nonprofits, look how much CEOs make in a nonprofit company. Like, tell me they're nonprofit. Yeah, because they eat up whatever's left over. But that's a, a different conversation for a different time. And it's also variable on different businesses and who it is and, and whatnot. But anyway, um, the purpose of this show is to put, you know, the investor in front of a company that can actually provide you with the opportunity, the knowledge, the education and the um, ability to get in front of, you know, real estate that will make you money as an investor. And why do we do that? We're going to go into a lot of reasons why we do that. But at the end of the day, do you want to be the captain of your own ship? Do you want to determine your own fate? Do you want to make sure that, like, you're setting yourself up with your own two hands for the future? Or do you want to believe that your employer is going to look out for you in, in 20 years? Will they still be in there in 20 years? Probably not. Right. And if they are, there is no pension plan for the majority of you. And the 401k stuff um, that's all relative to like what the market does and, and it could be really good or it could completely collapse like mine did in 2009 when the market crashed. And I'll never, ever invest again in the stock market ever. You know, I, I, I invested in crypto, crypto went way up. I sold and crypto fell through the bottom of the floor and, uh, people started buying in then. And I won't, you know, because real estate for me has been able to produce the best results time and time again. It just always does. And in Detroit, we're talking about, in Metro Detroit, <clears throat> excuse me, in Metro Detroit, we're talking about, you know, a hundred percent increase in value since 2018 on almost every single property within earshot or a stone's throw of the downtown area all the way out to, you know, uh, where, where houses start becoming $150,000, you know, and even in those areas, it's been ridiculously good. Um, so there, there's so much growth here. There's so much opportunity. And, and, and the show is basically to, to tell you, Hey, we're someone that can put you there. Right. And we're going to educate you and we're going to get you in front of the opportunities that you need to. And we're going to make sure that as you hold it, even when we're not getting paid, because we only get paid when you buy or when you sell. I don't charge all these fees and we don't charge all these fees for our activity. Um, we get paid when you buy something or when you sell something. We don't make any money off any of the vendors we provide you. We don't make any percentages off the property management companies. We don't do any of that stuff. We only get paid for the work that we do. And the reason why we do that is we want to make sure that any vendor that we work with is going to give you 
adequate service and not feel slighted because they're losing a percentage to someone who doesn't really, I'm not really owed any money from anyone. If, if you're doing a job for a client of mine, like you don't owe me anything, just do the job really well so that we don't have to worry about you feeling slighted and not doing a good job because you're not getting all of the money that you think that you should get. I don't work that way and we don't work that way. And we've been able to build a really nice business <clears throat> doing that. So I've been in the business, like I said, since 2009. I've been an agent since 2017. I've sold over 1,000 properties. I've flipped over 500 properties in my career. I'm one of the most knowledgeable people in the Detroit market uh, because I'm in the street every day. And I take it really serious, and I'm a nerd about numbers, and I read all of the information and the articles and stuff. And what I don't do is follow social media trends because it's, it's really trolly. And, and, you know, you got to consider the source and a lot of misinformation floats around, you know, from social media. So I, I try to avoid that. I only look at really credible statistics and data. And I use a lot of the data from the MLS to kind of determine um, what direction that I steer people in. And then also, <clears throat> I look at every market in the markets that I'm interested in. And I, and I only send out deals to people who, like, I would buy them myself. You know, if I can't vet them on paper and say, hey, this would be a good deal for myself, like, why would I try to send it out to somebody else? So we don't do that. So the whole show is basically devoted to we want to teach you, like, who we are, how we do business, how business is done right. We want to teach you, um, you know, what to look for. You know, you just need to be educated because the worst thing you can do is run into a room with a fistful of money and tell people that you want to spend it and they know that you don't have enough knowledge to be able to avoid the wolf, right? Because you're going to get eaten alive that way. And so we want all of our investors to do business with us long term. So if we do a lot of uh, business together and, and we build a rapport and, and we build trust for each other, then it's really easy for me to know that, you know, you're going to stay in the fold with me and we're going to become business associates and friends and we're going to depend on each other as we go forward. And as you grow, I grow and we grow together. And, and that's the whole purpose of the podcast. So this is the intro podcast. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or whatever, feel free to, to uh, message me. You can see me on social media. Anywhere where you go and type in, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and you go and you type in uh, Detroit Buy, Hold, Invest, you'll find me. You go to www.DetroitBuyHoldInvest, you'll find me there. If you go on Instagram, you'll find me through Detroit Buy, Hold, Invest. And then on LinkedIn, I'm under my name, which is David Rabior. Um, you can look me up online and, and, you know, I'll put uh, links and everything for research, but ideally, you know, this is going to be some kind of hardcore real estate show, but we're going to start from the beginning. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. And I want to make sure that people who follow what I'm doing or people that follow what my company does truly understand, like we're in this to make sure that you can build for your future. That's the main objective all the time. Like you don't want to be like the normal guy who punches the clock. You come over to us. You share with us what you want to do. We give you a strategy and give you some ideas, and then we help you get in front of rental properties. And then we're going to go into in our other episodes, like, why do you buy a rental property? Like, what is the benefit of that? Why do people do it? Why do rich people? Why does every rich millionaire, billionaire person that you could name have real estate? Because you have to. You have to have real estate. Real estate is a huge strategy for somebody who's wealthy. And anyone who's wealthy that doesn't hold real estate, it's going to be because they hit the lottery or they have, you know, some really niche type thing. But I really can't name any multi-million dollar person that doesn't use real estate as a strategy in some way. What you do got to be careful of is all of these, you know, people like 
going out saying, hey, you know, for $5,000, I'll teach you how to be, you know, a Section 8 guru or, you know, for $10,000, we'll put you through our boot camp and we're going to teach you how to do this and we're going to teach you. No, they're not. They're going to take your money and they're going to tell you just enough. And then when it comes time for you to pull the trigger or whatever, they're going to say, and for another $5,000, we'll teach you exactly how to do it. They're going to get you right to the point where you're almost ready and then there'll be more money to pay. We don't do that here. We want to educate people. We get paid when we sell you stuff or when, when you buy things and we want to make sure that that's the relationship we had. So if you're not satisfied, if you don't have um, you know an opportunity in front of you in which you're not going to sell or buy, then why should I get paid? My job is for you to buy or sell, right? So you can hold me to it. We'll go into more episodes and we're going to get into you know some more information. And this is going to be a weekly podcast, probably at least once a week, maybe twice a week sometimes. It just depends. I'm going to drop it. I'll put it on my website, uh, www.DetroitByHoldInvest.com. I'm going to put it on socials. It'll probably be on Spotify and stuff like that. And we're going to get into a lot of topics. So anyway, without uh, drawing this out any further, we're going to wrap up episode one. And we hope to see you again soon on the next episode, the Detroit Buy, Hold, Invest podcast coming to you live from Shinebox Studios. Gritty city of Detroit. Let's go.